Welcome to Wandering Mind, an audio tour of some of the most amazing holiday destinations you can possibly imagine. I'm your host, Hope Faulkner, and I'll be bringing you all the information you need to plan the holiday of a lifetime. I'll tell you about all the big tourist attractions and let you in on the secrets locals love. It's a tough job, but somebody's got to do it. So let's go on holiday. Today's destination, Theos. So here's the thing. I missed my flight home from Trebo. Well, actually I didn't. I may possibly have booked my ticket out of Theos for a week later than originally planned. Because for all that I've done a lot of travelling for this podcast, I haven't actually got much exploring done. It's wandering mind, after all, not travelling to carefully curated destinations mind. And I know that's the only way the format works in practice, but I thought I'd shake things up a bit and go for something of a detour. So, uh, if there's a new host next episode, it'll be because the office thought I was joking and I'm in big trouble when I get home. Sometimes, though, you've just got to run a little wild. I'm not even sorry. First of all, since I'm already here, I'd better tell you about your transport options before I forget. The airport in Feos is pretty well served with flights from all over the world, and there are plenty of carts, cabs and other public transport options to get you from the airport into town. This same public transport network also allows you to travel quickly and easily along the coast and several miles inland, so you don't need to worry about hiring a vehicle for yourself unless you really want to. It's also only about a 45-minute walk from the airport to town, which might be tempting in the summer. It's a very scenic sort of route, and the air quality is good, so if you're after a bit of fresh air, you can get it right away on arrival. Alternate routes to Feos include by boat, including of course from Trebo, and by high-speed train into Sanjor, which brings you to the same transport network I've already mentioned. Accommodation in the centre of Feos itself can be a little pricey. There aren't many hotels here, so they set their own prices to some extent, and some of them are somewhat ambitious about it. But as you move out into the suburbs or along the coast, you'll find lots of little guest houses at much more reasonable rates. They soar again as you approach Sanchor, of course, so I'd recommend finding a guest house somewhere between the two. I ended up at the Safe Return Guest House in Kabu which is a small fishing village about a 10-minute cart ride east of Feos. It's very nice there. Actually, while I'm on the subject of Kabu, it's worth a visit in its own right due to a rather odd local bylaw on this stretch of the Sicho coast, that is, between Feos and Sanjua. Each week, the local coastal authority sends a boat out to move a buoy in the dead of night. Fishing is only permitted within a rope's throw of this buoy, and anyone fishing from a boat along this stretch of coast is required to prove that they meet this requirement. There's no precise maximum distance from the buoy. Obviously, the boats don't want to be all clustered around it, because that's a lot of competition and would scare off the fish. So you could fish out of sight of the thing if you wanted, but you could at any point be challenged by the Sicho Coastal Authority. The penalties if you can't reach the buoy with a rope are pretty steep, more than many fishermen here earn in a month so it's a rule that's rarely broken. The solution? Expert rope throwers are in high demand for the fishing crews, so they can throw a rope at the boy on command. There's even a very prestigious competition, held in Taituv every year, to see who's the best rope thrower. Tony Fry entered several years ago and came seventh in his class, a very impressive feat. More accomplished rope throwers command high salaries during their careers on the boats, 
and are often scooped up to work on the loom bridge in Elmock and the smaller loom bridges now springing up around the world. This is also the main reason for the various hanging decorations dangling from literally anything you can chuck a rope around in the coastal towns here. Lampposts, trees, chimneys. A lamppost festooned in ropes and ribbons can be something of an eerie sight at night, especially when the wind picks up. The custom of throwing a rope or ribbon over a tall thing, often to celebrate a triumph or to impress the object of your affections, has led to the creation of a very location-specific career that of the trimmer. A trimmer's job is to go around with these fantastically long-handled scissors, usually on a cart for a little extra height, and cut those thrown decorations down to a more manageable length. A lamppost with a hundred short ropes or ribbons hanging from it might look intimidating in a gale, but a lamppost with even a few long ropes attached becomes an enormous whip the moment the wind blows. Make no mistake, without the trimmers, Taituv would be a terrifying place or at least a very different one. No wonder there's an annual festival dedicated to the profession. Striking inland, you'll find a line of rolling hills that stretches all the way from Tinos to Lita. It's a lovely place for a bit of a ramble. You can walk for hours and never set your foot on a paving stone or your eyes on a building. And then, in a low hollow between two hills, you may stumble, as I did, on the Temple of Adapa. Normally I wait to get back to my hotel room to record, but here's a clip I recorded in the temple itself. I just stumbled across this temple and it's beautiful. Like most temples of its kind and age, it's designed to reduce sound. There are people all around me, offering prayers, taking photos, talking and listening to the audio guide. And it's still so eerily quiet. I can barely hear them. I bet the mic doesn't even pick it up. Listen. I have no idea how this works, but it's pretty incredible. It's definitely worth stopping in. The temple is one of the few places around here that doesn't feature stained glass in some capacity. Even the tattoo shop in Tinos has these fantastic stained glass windows, which they've had to screen off of their working area because the bright colours interfere with the actual tattooing process. I imagine if they hadn't, people would have ended up with some very oddly coloured tattoos. Heading back towards the coast, it's worth stopping into Perroque Culinary College for a top-class meal at bargain prices. Many of the graduates here are offered the jobs of their dreams in restaurants all around the world, working under chefs like Roland Baxter and Mich Lefroy, and often going on to become household names themselves. In fact, Lefroy actually graduated from this institution some years ago now, and occasionally returns to teach a class or two. It's not the only place where you can appreciate high standards of student work at low prices, however. The Sawan Institute in nearby Isaba has a fantastic tailoring department where apprentice tailors will whip you up perfectly fitted outfits designed and made just for you, and for a fraction of the cost you might pay anywhere else. It's definitely worth checking out. Also worth a visit is the traditional Eshen Lawyers Commune, a few miles outside of Feos. As the name suggests, the small village is home to a number of lawyers and law students, and nobody else. They're usually found deep in debate over any number of legal problems, and a lot of the legal developments in this part of the world stem from words exchanged right here. For example, it's the birthplace of the change in sentencing for petty infractions like littering here in Escher and in neighbouring Atreya. While most of the lawyers who live here were born in the area, they do welcome residents from all over the world, just as long as they work in the law. 
On average, a resident here will stay for between two and five years, though some have spent a decade or more here, before returning to practice in the wider world. It's believed, though, that spending time away from the world's distractions allows for a closer focus on the law in its purest form, and for an objective view of such subjective things as morals and ethics, before returning to reality and the profusion of grey areas the practice of law brings them into contact with. They do welcome visitors, though, because it doesn't do them any good to become completely out of touch with society. As such, you might like to check out one of their public debates or moots. I know what you're thinking. Hope, you haven't told us about the food. And I know, it's a massive oversight on my part. The thing is, food on this stretch of the Eshen coast is so varied, I didn't quite know where to start. As you might expect, most of the food is locally sourced, so there's a lot of fish, and meat and vegetable offerings vary, according to what the nearest farms grow and raise. If you want to sample a wide range of this region's culinary and cultural delights, however, there's one place you really must visit. The Maze Market in Feos is exactly what it says on the tin, and more. As the city was built up over time, this particular district became so complicated to navigate that people gave it the nickname, and it stuck. Ask anyone nearby and they'll tell you that the food sold here is great. If you can find it, you'll love it. It's not that it's actually hard to find something to eat, there's plenty on offer, but when you find a particular favourite you'd better make a note of where it is. The maize market is mostly stores and shops, predominantly selling food, although there are some knickknacks, textiles and other goods on offer. But, like most mazes, it has a centre, and in the centre of this maze is a large open square, where performances of music, dance and drama are often displayed. It's generally a free-for-all, but there is at least one big festival each season, with a set list and a strict order. Outside of this main square you'll also find various musicians tucked into the corners and dead-end alleys of the maze, playing whatever takes their fancy. For example, while I was wandering around, I caught a snatch of an old folk song that doubles as a counting song for children around here. I don't remember how the verses went exactly. They each seemed to tell the tale of an accident befalling a ship. But I do remember the chorus. For none can tame the ocean, that rush of salt and foam. And five ships sailed for the tree Isles, but only four came home. I'm no great singer but the musician I heard in the maze was. And just imagine hearing that haunting melody floating out from around a corner, with no sign of the person performing it. Goosebumps. And, of course, it might have some basis in fact. We aren't far from Trebo, and it really is surrounded by shipwrecks. No wonder people here have such a healthy respect for the sea. Well, I've had a lovely time here, but I'll be heading back to the office and resuming my carefully chosen trips now. Here's hoping I'm not in trouble for taking off like this. Thanks for joining me today. I'm Hope Faulkner for Wandering Mind, and it's time for another adventure. Safe travels! Wandering Mind is written and performed by Eleanor Musgrove, with music from purpleplanet.com. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe, and maybe consider supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash wanderingpodcast to get access to extra episodes just for patrons. 
or visit wanderingmindpodcast.wordpress.com for more information. Thanks for listening. <laughs>